right, we're, we're on, good, thank you. It was a very special time last week when we had a chance to uh, spend time uh, during baptism, and I point you to the upper left corner here. Uh, Rebecca did it correctly. See, we, Adam and I were coaching Rebecca, so you can't just go halfway in. Rebecca actually bent and she got fully immersed and she got fully baptized last week and so we're very thankful uh, that you did it properly. So Rebecca, I'm very glad that you set a good example for all future baptis, uh, baptismal candidates. Make sure you go all the way down. Adam will only hold you under for a few seconds and came back out. But it's really neat to see this YF family together celebrate uh, with them. That is a very special day when, when we can proclaim Christ as our Lord, publicly proclaim that he's our Lord. That's a very special Thing. And so I hope uh, Rebecca, Mr. Wu, doesn't forget what God has done to get you to that point in your life. Yesterday was a busy day. Yesterday we had, um, let's see, there it is, two things happening. One is Jay's retirement party, 35 years at Duquesne, is that correct? 35 years. He had his retirement party. That was very special. Good. It was nice to meet your children, uh, May, uh, Jason, Jared, really nice family, spending time with them. So many people wanted to come celebrate with you. It was very special uh, that we could do that. So um, if you don't know, Jay is looking um, to do more music jam sessions, and we hope to see Jay up here playing your bass. But the other picture is very special. Julie had an idea of bringing some of your grandmothers. Some of you people see your grandmothers in this picture. And she said, you know what, we should bring them together and do something. And what are we going to do with all the grandmothers? And of course, uh, all the grandmothers know how to play mahjong better than all of us know how to play. And she brought them together and they played. Uh, and it was really interesting because I couldn't understand what they were saying. But Julie told me they are talking about their childhood, growing up in China, moving to Hong Kong, how the political climate has changed in Hong Kong. And they're really sharing in a neat way. I don't want us to forget, we're a very young church here in English. But, you know, there's very younger ones that, you know, that we minister to, and there's an older generation too. And we're one body. We're one church. And I show you that picture, so just don't forget that we're not just thinking at this level, but there's people that God loves much older than us, much younger than us, and we need to love and share with them as well. And I'm thankful that Julie had that insight to do that. Yesterday, as Kevin was saying, there's an incredible uh, time yesterday that Adam and Louise organized for the senior send-off. Um, and Adam said, you know, everyone come up here. Uh, it's just going to be a cry session. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. But everybody that came up here cried. It was really interesting watching and, and seeing the parents. Um, really a very bittersweet time, seeing their children achieve so much and sending them off, how difficult that is. And then the young people coming and sharing how much mom and dad had done for them, Adam and Louise had done for them. It was really neat hearing that, that there's a sense of family, not just physical family, but a spiritual family. And I'm really thankful to see that growing in our church. So we mentioned a few times today, but uh, Andrew here on the far left of that picture will be leaving us. Uh, Michael, this is your last night I just found out. And Casey and Kaylee, I found out this is our last Sunday with you. Uh, it, it is kind of a bittersweet time. When I first met Kaylee and Casey to our church, I kept trying to say hello to them, uh, and they wouldn't say hello back to me. And I said, Julie, I don't think they speak English. <laughs> I said, no, they just don't like me. So, But now I found out later, you do like me, you spoke to me, and it was nice getting to know you guys. Michael, I always enjoy time together when we were sharing back 
rides from retreat, times uh, you would stay at our house and take you home, and really enjoying spending time with you. Uh, same with Andrew. I feel that um, your commitment to come back to Pittsburgh, we're going to hold you to that, that you will be back here. But for each one of you, it, it feels like what Adam said yesterday, I wish we had more time with you. In some ways, I feel that another year, another two, and you guys will be ready to go. But somehow God thinks you're ready to go now. And this is the timing for it. And so God has prepared your hearts, prepared your um, spiritual life. You're at a stage now where you're mature, young women, young men, ready to do for the next step. So we stand behind you. We'll be praying for you. And uh, I hope you still consider this your spiritual home when you come back. Okay. So uh, the last few weeks we've been speaking about discipleship. And as I was speaking to you last week, what I was talking about was discipleship um, is really a focus on Christ. We boil it all down. What is discipleship? It's our centering our hearts and our minds on the life and person of Christ. You want to be a disciple of Christ? You want to disciple others? Think about Christ and how Christ had led his life and what he did um, to all those that would follow him. So today's message, again, is going to be a focus on Christ. Why don't we stand together as we read John 15. Let's read together. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Father, we sang this morning about your great love, how it covers us, how it makes us secure, how it makes the darkness flee. May we learn about the person of Christ, what he's done for us, how he's modeled love for us. And if we experience that love, may we pour that love into our lives and those around us. Pray these things in your name. Amen. May be seated. I want to thank for the worship team for leading us in the songs that always pertain to our message. So thank you, Jackie, Carolyn, Abby, for leading us this morning. So I would like to start with a review of last week. Last week we talked about discipleship, and you're somewhere on this chart. You're somewhere either on the far left and you don't know Christ yet. You're spiritually dead. And we, we talked to you about being born again, about crossing over from the side that doesn't know the Lord through Christ, being born again to a spiritual infant, to a spiritual child, to a spiritual um, young person, to a spiritual adult. And discipleship, as we talk about discipleship, should move you from the left to the right. And as emphasizing last week, that no matter where you are in that chart, you can be helping someone if you know the Lord. Even if you're a spiritual infant, you can be helping those that don't know the Lord. If you're spiritually very mature like a parent, you'd be helping at every stage. So last week I told you about how Paul was going to instruct Timothy. 
how Paul told and taught Timothy about the gymnasium of your soul, to keep yourself in training, to exercise yourself for godliness, to train yourself to be godly, no spiritual flabbiness, spend time and energy in training yourself, take time to be fit. This is a rule of life that he was trying to give Timothy. I want you to be spiritually fit. I want you to know what it is to live your life. And you remember Christ's rule of life? What did I use for Christ's rule of life? Do you guys remember? Right. His prayer of our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. The Lord's prayer kind of sets a rule of life for us. We always put the Lord where he belongs. We think about the debt that we owe the Lord. We think about our daily bread. We think about not leading in temptation. We keep that in our mind, and we can formulate our own rule of life. So that was last week, and that's what we, did, we did, um, discussed about being a rule of life. So as we think about it, it's kind of interesting. As we talk about this word discipleship, if you look up in your Bibles, you'll find that discipleship does not occur at all in Scripture. So we have this whole series for two months of discipleship, and it's not even in the Bible. What is in the Bible is actually the word disciple. Disciple is used in five books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and a book of Acts, and then nowhere else. So only in those five books do we see the word disciple. Disciple, as it says here in Antioch, the disciples are first called Christians. So I'm going to be very clear here that if you're a Christian, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you're a Christian. There's no two categories. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. Disciple, you're a Christian. Everyone here that knows the Lord, that's been born again, is a Christian and also a disciple. So when he's talking about disciples, he's talking to all of us. And there's only one place in Scripture that I know of that Christ said there's one way you can prove yourself to be a disciple. I want to prove that you're a disciple. How do we prove that we're a disciple of Christ? Is what we read this morning. That my Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit. And what? And so prove to be my disciples. This is the only way that I see in, in Scripture that Christ says, if you want to be known as my disciples, you want to prove that you belong to me, prove that you're a Christian, how do you do it? Bear much fruit. So we're going to spend this morning talking about this passage about how we prove to be disciples and how we bear much fruit. So here's the verse in context. The first part, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. That's from verse 5 of chapter 15. And just a few verses in later, verse 8, he says that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how this process works, what it means to abide, what it means to bear much fruit. So we look at this part, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me, and I in him. What does that mean, to abide in him and to be part of Christ, to be part of the vine, to be part of the branches? And I'm going to send you back to what we studied last week. These are mechanisms that God has given to us that we can abide in him. 
We talked a little bit about last week about Thanksgiving and intercession and retreat and tithing. These spiritual disciplines that when we practice them, what we're actually doing is we're abiding in Christ. We're learning about him. We're spending time with him. We're developing a relationship with him. This is how we abide in Christ. These are the mechanisms that we have when we serve others, put others before ourselves, look at the community around us. This is the way that we abide in Christ. And I guarantee if you are born again and you are practicing these, these disciplines, you will bear much fruit. It's going to happen. If you're doing these disciplines regularly, spending time in his word, spending time praying with him, meditating on it, you're going to bear much fruit. It's a spiritual principle, and it will work. One leads to the other. And that's what we kind of left you again with last week. So as we break it down, we unpack it a little more. We abide in him, as I just told you, the things that we practiced last week. We're bearing much fruit. And the result of bearing much fruit, what the verse teaches us here, is that we're going to prove to be Christ's disciples. You want to make yourself disciples? You want to prove yourself to be disciples? It's a spiritual process that we abide in him, bear much fruit, and be disciples. So just talking about that middle part about bearing much fruit, when I looked up the Greek word, it looks like it could be physical or it could be spiritual. And physical ways that we can bear much fruit is that we're multiplying the body of Christ. We're sharing and we're bringing converts to the Lord. We're teaching others how to be born again, teaching others where the bread is. And so we're physically multiplying and being fruitful. The other way to bear fruit is actually spiritually. Spiritually, love, joy, peace, gentleness, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those fruits listed in Galatians 5 are other ways to bear fruit. So we can do it in a physical way or we can do it in a spiritual way. Hopefully we're doing both. But everyone should be doing this one for Galatians 5. All of Christ's disciples that are abiding in him are going to bear these fruits. As you spend time with Christ, your life will be changed. You're going to bear fruit. So going on to verse 9, this is what he says. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So it's going a little bit deeper now. He, we're talking about bearing fruit. We're talking about abiding. He's teaching us about a little deeper concept now about love. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So it really made me think this week about the Father's love for Christ, Christ's love for us, and what it looks like when God demonstrates his love for us. So I'd like to go back to example of God's love for us. How do we know that God loves us? How do we know that God has demonstrated love for us? We go back to the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning. Let's go ahead and play here. In the beginning, there's an interesting process going on. All of you guys know Genesis and know the story. What do I need to do? Press. Oh, thank you. Uh, in the beginning, God pulls us 
into his story. He reaches into our lives. What does he do? He creates a beautiful home for us. He has great sunrises, great sunsets for us. And every day, what do we have? We have great food provided. I mean, there's all kinds of food for us to eat. And because he knows what's good for us, there's no cheese, nothing spicy. These are good food. Every day we're enjoying this kind of food. He provides us friends. We have animals all around us, furry friends that we can enjoy time with. And ultimately, he provides us a companion, a perfect model. I mean, she's beautiful. He's chiseled. He looks great, right? He's always thoughtful. She's always compassionate. It's your perfect roommate. You're getting along great with each other. You guys match like a, a hand in a glove. God created her for him, he for her. And what happens next is that he actually wants to walk with us. He comes close to us. He knows us by name. And at the end of every day, he asks, how's your day? Jimmy, how's your day? Michael, how's it at school? Matt, what have you been doing all day? Elam, how have you been productive today? Cindy, what kind of significance do you have? And it resonates with us because we need to be significant. And God knows us. He knows our needs. He knows our hearts. And he's reaching into our life and saying, you know what? I will fill that hole for you. Whatever you need, whatever significance that you are lacking in your life, I will be with you. You know what? I created all this for you. And I want to share this all with you. I often thought of the picture of Walt Disney standing in front of the Magic Kingdom and say, hey, I made this Magic Kingdom for you. I want you to come and enjoy it. And God's the same way. I made this all for you. I want you to come in. I want you to enjoy this. This is designed for us to have fellowship with each other. It was designed with you in mind. I am your companion. I'm part of the story with you. And as he knows us intimately, he knows our needs and our wants, it becomes apparent that this is the perfect place. All of us know this is the Garden of Eden, a place where God created for Adam and Eve to live. But I want to think also that this is our future. Every one of us that knows the Lord, we're going to have a new heaven, a new earth, and we're going to be able to participate in this. And God's going to know us intimately. What we were singing about this morning, about this relationship we long for, we're looking for, this is what God designed. When he says he loves us, he's saying, you know what? I designed this for you originally. Yes, we messed it up. But God hasn't forgotten. He hasn't left us. He's saying, I want to establish with this with you again. And what he's saying is, I want to abide with you even now. So it's our past, it's our future, but now it's present tense. And I think especially for you guys going to school now, this abiding with him, abiding with Christ. That means he loves us, he's intimately involved with every detail of our lives, and he's there with us. Present tense. It's something that's happening now. This is God's love for us. Okay, so we talked here 
about God's love for us, how it was there in the beginning. I want to bring you to another beginning, and you guys that know your scripture well, <clears throat> excuse me, know that in the Old Testament, it begins in Genesis, in the beginning. What other book in the Bible has those same words? John. John. That's right. In the beginning, John. What does he say? In the beginning. That's right. You guys have it. What's the word? And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. So remember, the Old Testament is just a foreshadowing of the New Testament. And the dark recesses of the Old Testament, the New Testament brings it to light. It's like the river that slowly gets wider. And we finally understand God's ultimate plan. So what we saw in Genesis is revealed in John what the true intent of creation was. The true intent of creation is God is not just the mastermind. God's not just the author. You know, we, we see God just setting things in place and just kind of standing back and let's see what you guys do. God is not that kind of creator. He's intimately involved with his creation. He's not just the puppet master, just kind of moving us like chess pieces on the board. But God's love for us puts him as the central character in the story. He is intimately involved in every aspect of our life. This is a different kind of God that we're not often speaking about, but one that is intimate with us, that is relational with us, and says this story is not just about you. I am the hero of the story. I'm the one that's going to save every one of you. You guys are lost. You guys are sinful. You're separated. You're broken. There's things wrong in your life. And God says, you know what? I am part of this story. And I am going to restore you and redeem you, recreate you into the men and women that you're designed to be. And if we look at it here, what he says, he's going to do it through Christ that all things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that came to being. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. I'm not leaving you guys in the dark. We sang about this morning, about darkness. All of us have that darkness. All of us need Christ. And when God does this for us, it's called agape. It's called agape love that only God can do. This is a special love that only God can produce and only God has. We have love for each other. We saw it last night here. Parents love children. Children love their parents. That's a wonderful love. But that's not agape love in a way that comes from the Father. Only agape love can come from God. That kind of love is passed down to parents, and parents can pass that to children. Children can give it back to their parents, but only the source is only God. Only God can provide that agape love. And the reason why that's so important the reason why agape love is so critical to every one of us is because it is unbreakable and it's secure and good. Every one of our families has brokenness in it. Every one of us knows that something's wrong with our family, right? None of our families are perfect. Every one of us longs for security and love and something that is completely 
secure. That can only come from God. When God says, I love the Son, the Son says, I follow the Father, the Holy Spirit says, um, I will never leave you or forsake you. That kind of love can only come from God. Now, I just told you that all of our families are broken. My family is broken too. But when my parents wanted our family, this is my mother has seven brothers and sisters. My father had five brothers and sisters. They almost all moved to the West Coast. So when we were very young, when we were in elementary school, my father and mother said, we will spend every Christmas out with our family in Los Angeles. And it was a time that we would spend uh, maybe like 10 days out in the West Coast. And like every family, we had dinners together, we spent time together. But what I found unique for our family is that we would go to the bowling lanes and my aunts and uncles would rent the whole bowling lane. So it'd be like 50 of us. We'd have like 20 lanes rented. And then we'd go to the ice skating rink. They'd rent out the whole ice skating rink and it was just our family there. We'd you know, be playing broomball together. We'd go deep sea fishing. Our whole family is on the boat together. And then we'd go skiing. We'd rent out a townhouse and all 50 of us in this one townhouse. One of my cousins ended up sleeping in a bathtub. I mean, but these are kind of things that put our family together. And at New Year's time, I knew it was my second to last day. We'd always leave the day after New Year's. And New Year's, all my cousins would be standing together. We'd stay up all night for New Year's and we realized that something good was coming to an end. And we'd have to go and we'd have to go these different ways. But there was something there during those 10 days that taught us, all my cousins, we never planned out any of the bowling, the deep sheet fishing, the skiing, we just kind of showed up and we enjoyed it. We'd run around and have a great time. But what was interesting, it was never dependent upon us as the cousins to organize this. We never had to plan it, and most of all, we never had to pay for it, right? <laughs> we just enjoyed it. It was just time as family, like, man, this is the best. Every year we look forward to it. My cousin, like, oh, we're gonna get together, we're gonna stay up all night, do all these things, just like you guys do now, by the way. It's interesting. So um, what was so secure about this, it didn't depend on us. It wasn't about how much money we had we always felt secure because everything was always taken care of. Everything was paid for. Everything was well organized. We just showed up. So that kind of family gave us great security. There's something good and something grand happening, and we wanted to be a part of it. We just kind of showed up. And that was the best type of love that we experienced as young children, that family took care of us. Family thought about what we wanted to do. Those aunts and uncles didn't want to go bowling and do broom ball and do that stuff. They did it for us. And I was like, this is wonderful. And in some ways, my brothers and I think, well, we should model that for our children. And I, I think the families that know that, well, what mom and dad for us, we want to pass on to our children. We want to provide this good and grand and secure place where our children can grow up. Now, I want you to think about that. That's what we should do as parents and what all of you are trying to do, and it's wonderful. But just think if God did this. Just think if the perfect father with infinite resources, infinite love, infinite ability to know our needs, design something for you and said, this is what I'm gonna design for you. This is your family. This is your security. This is where you belong. This is where I know I can meet every one of your needs. You're not gonna to have to pay for it. I'm gonna take care of it. You're gonna be safe and secure here in agape love. Now you know why the love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is so important because that can never be broken. That's a family that will never fail. 
That's a family that will always provide what we need. And if you're part of that family, you understand agape love. And you understand how important it is to abide in Christ. Because now we're part of that family and never be broken, never be separated from the Lord God. It's so important that you understand that. So important to understand what it is to be a disciple of Christ. So I just want to cover just a few more verses. Just as my father's loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. We just talked about that. And the verses go on to say, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There's something deeper happening now. So we experience agape love in a deeper way, in a way that we've never experienced love before from a perfect family. Now he's asking us, keep my commandments, abide in my love. These are the things I've spoken to you. So what? So my joy might be in you, that my joy might be made full. Excuse me, that your joy might be made full. My joy is in you, and that your joy might be made full. So if we experience this agape love, we experience this family that we're in with God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, we understand this deep security that we have from being part of that family, inevitably you're going to have what? Joy. It's undeniable. Every disciple of Christ, every Christian should have joy. This is just the spiritual principles as they come down. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Joy should come out of you. I shouldn't be able to stop it. Whether you're at Purdue or Duquesne or University of Washington, St. Louis, uh, these are places where you should have joy. It should be joy and it should spill out of you. Your circumstances should not dictate joy. Your job should not dictate joy. How much money you have should not dictate joy because our joy comes from a deeper place. It comes from being part of the family, abiding in Christ, knowing his love. This is my last slide. I just want to go over the last few things here. And my father glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is how we're going to prove to be his disciples. How do we prove to be his disciples? This is the only place I know where Christ gives a direct command. He often tells us, you know, feed the poor, go and sin no more. This is the only place I know if he gives a direct command. My command, one of the only place I know, my command is that you love one another just as I've loved you. So if we understand the abiding, the deep love, the deep agape love that comes from Christ. We understand the joy that comes out of it. Proving our disciples by producing fruit. There's a command here. What's our command? This is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. So the agape love is really here to love one another. No matter where you are in that chart, we're to love one another. It's not judgment, it's not condemnation, it's not putting someone down, saying, okay, that's where you are in the chart, but you know what? I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you with the agape love that God gave me, and I'm going to help you as a discipler, as a disciple. I'm going to help you become more like Christ. I'm going to be there to love you with a love that the love that God has given to me. 
So if you just glance at your insert today, you'll see some things on there about where your relationship is with Christ. And I want you to think about this. Who are you in love with? Who are you in love with? And that's a question I hope you discuss in your groups today. Who are you in love with? Whom have you given your heart to? What is the passion you have in your life? What is driving you in your life? And I tell you, if you're a disciple of Christ, you've given your heart to Christ, and he is the passion of your life. Okay, let's pray as we close.